Welcome to Living with Heart with Dr. Chip Dodd. Good morning, Dr. Chip Dodd. How are you? Hello, Brian. Good to see you again. Good to see you. It is like 80 degrees warmer than the last time we recorded. That's true, isn't it? It yeah. was, um, we were striking zero. It was below zero here. Four below one night. Right. And see, that scares me. Why? Uh, frozen pipes. Yeah. Electricity going off. You know, all that kind of stuff. Right. But heat doesn't scare me. I love it. Oh, heat. yeah. It's like, like how hot it gets. Bring it. Louisiana humidity. That's, that's called a bath. <laughs> I moved from Colorado to Nashville oh. with the promise that it would not be like zero degrees for uh, a good week. Yeah. I was not told that that happens here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it we, did. Have, we have four seasons and it, they're unpredictable. Yeah. And actually, you know, we lived in Denver for 12 years for probably six of them. We didn't even have a four wheel drive or all wheel drive vehicle. The infrastructure there is so good. Plus the sun mm -hmm. and we had no problem. We could get around yeah. and we got stuck here in Nashville and I have an all wheel drive car like in your driveway, uh, not in my driveway, <laughs> but trying to get out of my neighborhood. I went up to the top of a hill. It's good. We live in a hilly neighborhood. Seriously? I go to the top, I stopped and I just started to slowly yeah. drift back down. Yeah. I saw a plow get into our neighborhood yeah. and then, uh, it did a full, 180 yeah and destroyed a mailbox isn't that something yeah like even the plow got stuck yes. in our neighborhood yeah i literally literally i have a, a four-wheel drive truck now yeah you love your truck love truck yeah but um a few years ago i had a two-wheel drive sedan nice yeah. nice car and so on but i got up to go to work and i literally could not get out of my flat driveway Really? I'm telling you, I did. I used shovels, sawdust. I mean, just, I couldn't get out of my driveway. It's embarrassing. You know? Yeah. Well, it gave me more empathy because it's, I had this talk with my kids to say, hey, one of the things we're not going to do, I think Northern and Western transplants to the Southeast love to mock Southerners mm -hmm. about the snow. You mm -hmm. know, I'm like, oh, we used to drive in, mm -hmm. you know, 24 inches and it was nothing, but uh -huh. I've realized it's different here. I told my kids we're not going to be those arrogant transplants to right. mock uh, yeah. Southerners in the snow. Yeah. Uh, and then we got stuck. So I'm glad we did not <laughs> mock uh, hey, any, anybody. To all of well. those uh, people who come from other places, wait till July and yeah. August. Then the, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. You'll be complaining. Yeah, you know? exactly. All right. So we are continuing a conversation about being needy. Yeah. That the way we are designed, you know, mm. we said a couple episodes ago, you know, uh, we. We don't describe somebody as being needy in a complimentary way. Usually True. it's a way that we uh, degrade somebody, but the reality of living life on life's terms. And if we are just willing to live within the framework that God designed us in is that we are deeply needy creatures. That is an inescapable reality. Yeah. I love way that, that we you were start made. this conversation right there. It reminded me that we've talked about in another episode, really and truly Brian, that that neediness is the key. Mm. It's a key over which we wish we, you know, we do wish we didn't have the key. We wish we didn't need the key. Right. But it's unlocks the treasure trove of God, mm. who is the creator of life, love, yeah. lead, leadership, blessing, yeah. treasure, and so on. And so, you know, so many Christians, and by the way, if you're, if you're not a Christian, it's like, please listen to this anyway. Yeah. This is not a, uh, religious broadcast yeah we're just two christians but i'm not talking I, about the way that i'm not running is. from what i know yeah, what I, yeah. What, you know witness who knows where you'll end up exactly <laughs> so um it, you know we talk about being imitators of christ and many many people who are stuck in the arrogance 
of denying their neediness will also be those very same people who communicate and, and talk to others that you need to have the uh, be an imitator of Christ. Mm. And we're almost always referring to his stronger characteristics of yeah. giving, blessing, and so on, giving up, sacrifice. And I think we miss a great deal when we call you know, the need to imitate Christ. Because if we're going to imitate Christ, the number one strength that kept him from ever needing to repent was his neediness. Hmm. I mean, if we're going to be really imitators of Christ, then we need to start with dependency and neediness yeah. as the triumph over hmm. um, the world. Hmm. Because he never separated himself from needing the Father. Right. He never did stop depending upon the Father. And... And that's I wouldn't call it weakness. And what's interesting is that's particularly amplified in his life in moments where at least me would be prone to drift towards independence. So for example, uh, the the chief example that comes to my mind is at the end of Mark chapter one, Jesus has healed a bunch of people. He's kind of in this, you know, he's in this regular rhythm of transitioning from anonymity to something akin to celebrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he retreats to be alone and the disciples, you know, are basically like, where are you? You know, this is a Mm -hmm. very unstrategic thing for you to be doing right Mm -hmm. now. You are getting momentum in what you're trying to accomplish. And he goes away alone to be with the father Mm -hmm. reflecting his dependency. Whereas for most of us, when we achieve some element of success and momentum, we're kind of like, oh, this is absolutely not the time for a break. How to multiply it. Cut hay while the sun is shining. I mean, he could have taken the 5,000, which is more than 5,000 that was fed that day. And, oh, he had it going on right Right. there. And that's when he needed to hit. Any good producer, marketer would have really been very confused by him not taking advantage of that Right, this is like a terrible time for any expression of Sabbath. So you know what? Really, it would be wise of us to read the scriptures uh, and also look for uh, how he is calling us to ourselves and calling us to dependency. Right. Even the most real gut-wrenching example of his dependency is Gethsemane. Mm. I mean, there's a pouring out of his humanity. And in the midst of pouring out his complete humanity, fear, sad, hurt, lonely, um, uh, 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 anger, uh, dependency, anguish, uh, agonista, and he, he literally says, you know, daddy, 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 please, 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 yeah. let's, no, don't, 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 let's yeah. not do this because I cannot, I don't mm. want to. But if you say that is, then yeah. it is. Yeah. And um, he knew it was coming. Yeah. And he walked through it all. Yeah. Dependently, through neediness. Mm. And so I think this is uh, for all of people who have been trained against being needy yeah. or see it as a, a um, weakness. The Navy SEALs expertise is based in neediness. Hmm. Do you have my six? Do you have my back? Hmm. I'm depending upon you. Your job is, I'm trusting you to do it. I need you to do it. If you don't do it well, we all get killed. I mean, Navy SEALs are considered sort of the superhuman, you know, uh, military force. And neediness is the key that unlocks the treasure trove of their triumphs. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) we need to rethink this thing a little bit. Yeah, it's like if... Get over ourselves. um, if intimacy with God is the goal as opposed to independence from God, then dependency is not a liability. It's a, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. Neediness is not. Yeah. 
uh, a negative characteristic, but is actually, I mean, to your point. So neediness then, I'm sorry, to your point, you said to your point. You said, well, I was just saying that I said to your point. Yeah. Well, neediness to the point. Oh, yeah, yeah. To, the, to the point of what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, neediness is like the key that brings us strength. Right. So, I mean, the very thing to, we're avoiding is the very thing that that's invites us into the chief end to which we were created yeah. and long, which is intimacy with yes. God. If I will face my needs and I will hand them over to how they're met properly yeah. and legitimately, then I will literally, through dependency, become independent. In terms of be in the world, but not of it. Yeah. The population of the 5,000 won't control me, but what I'm called to do will. Right. And what I'm made to do will. And family will matter more than fame. Mm. And there are many famous people through their fear who have uh, disclaimed who they're really made to be and have lost family and even fortune mm. over not uh, facing their neediness. And I think a lot of times the people that pride themselves at being independent are just actually codependent. You know, they're like, they're, they're, they're the most codependent. I'm watching the audience to see how well right. I'm doing. And is this good? Is this yeah. good? Is this yeah. good? I'm seen as the strong man. I'm told I'm the strong man. So the audience has to pump up the emperor with no clothes. Yeah. Because anyone who's claiming that, um, pr that position of primacy right. is secretly despised by everyone. Right. Because they know they're looked down on. They have to be sycophants to be, uh, valued yeah and then you're in the name of independence you're only as good as your last performance yep. which is the least independent thing yep. you could actually yep. experience so what we're talking about is like genuine independence genuine facing how you're created and living how you're created as you were created to do yeah and we are created as neuroscience backed up finally that we're created as emotional and spiritual creatures created to do one thing in life and it's live fully. Mm. But the way we're created, you can't find full life unless you're doing so in relationship, facing how you're made, taking how you're made to others who are made the same way and to the God who made you. Yep. And that is the sort of like the, the triumvirate, the, mm. the, the, the triangle of putting things together so you can explode into full life. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So we're talking about being, we're continuing the conversation about being needy. The goal of today, we'll see if this is one or two parts. Yeah. We'll, <laughs> I'm thinking three, two parts. Or four. Yeah, uh, yeah. But the goal of today is we're going to talk about the need for security. Yeah. Uh, the need for security, which again, if, if you want to kind of go deeper, um, some of the framework that we're following along is needs of the heart. It's funny because I reread this chapter this morning and it is two... And, it's probably two pages yeah. of text total. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, isn't that crazy? So I think yeah. if I I'm read I'm told that, that's the best book I've ever written because it's so small. Well, I mean, I do think... 70 pages. I mean, uh, I, I always quote C.S. Lewis, but... Uh, and I've, I've, already, I've already censored myself from quoting C.S. Lewis once already in something yeah. you said. Yeah. But I will quote him here. He said, like, basically, it's not until you're able to write with that level of conciseness... He said, it's not until you're able to explain it to a child that you yeah. yourself actually understand, you know, understand it. Mm hmm. I, I, I'm see, I'm seeing that. Yeah. I, I, I felt that way in seminary. You know, you would, you'd be handed these big books and you would be like overwhelmed by the, I think initially you thought the complexity with which somebody writes reflected that they were like mm -hmm. geniuses. Mm -hmm. And now I'm more like, I think actually they struggle to like explain what they're 
they really understand. You know, it's that's, like the people who impress mm-hmm. me the most are the people that can write these little books mm-hmm. um, that are accessible. Yeah. Without being pithy, you know, yeah. without trying to create a sort of a 10 second Instagram. Not simplistic, but, not simplistic mm-hmm. but accessible is impressive to me. Yeah. You know, yesterday I was, um, yesterday morning, and I think most people seem to do their you know, early work in the mornings, their creative work. And I, I was uh, spending time, you know, just getting prepared, resolving how I would live the day sort of thing. And I realized I had uh, in two pages in journal, I had broken uh, sort of like a huge way life works into about six pieces, um, starting with, you know, the answer, the answer to life is a question. And, and just in terms of facing how we're made and, you know, keeping it like simplistic and still it's easy to say, and yet it takes a lifetime to do, Mm. which is a simple statement. And yet it's profoundly true. Mm. I mean, it, life is actually created to be lived very simply. Yeah. And yet it's very hard to stay in the feel your feelings, tell the truth about them. Right. hand them over to God, God owns the process or give them to the process. That's, those are the three movements. Feel your feelings, tell the truth about what's going on inside of you yeah. and hand it to God. And that's Deuteronomy 30. Right. The word is in your mouth and in your heart waiting yeah. to be spoken. You know? Yeah. It's funny. I did that. I, I referenced this earlier, but I did that training with uh, Cliff Roth a few weeks ago. And I, I drew that up on the whiteboard, you know, feel your feelings, tell the truth. Uh, you know, trust God with the process and elaborated on what each of those Mm -hmm. meant. But I told them, I was like, you know, I was introduced to this, uh, 13 years ago. I've been clumsily practicing in some way, uh, ever since. And, uh, I've never graduated beyond it, Mm -hmm. which is affirmed to some degree by Jesus where, you know, we're perpetually trying to move on to sophistication and complexity and Jesus is continually returning us back to childlikeness and the way Mm -hmm. we were made. Mm-hmm. You know, while, while we're on that, before we move into security, though you mentioned clumsiness. And so uh, the process takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Uh, no matter how simple it is, we still have to practice it in daily life, and we don't know the future. We carry eternity in our hearts, but we don't know the end from the beginning. And so there we are in conflict. But the conflict ultimately is between reality and the truth of how we're made. Mm. And reality it has four kind of like giant characteristics we can't get past. The best we're ever going to get is clumsy. Even in the midst of our perfection, we can come to excellence, which means knocking friction off, but there's always going to be the next case of friction. Right. Whether it's ships or interactions with people, Mm. whether it's the space shuttle that blew to pieces or a disease that crops back up after it was conquered. It found Mm -hmm. a new way to express itself. And then we have to live life on life's terms. That there is death. Hold on, this is number two. So one, yeah, number two. So yeah, one yeah. is one is the best we ever get is clumsy. Two is we have to live life. Two on life's is terms. we really do have to live life okay. on life's terms, which has everything to do with number one. Yep. I mean, death, destruction, despair, and darkness are a part of this um, mortal coil in which there's a great amount of tragedy. Hmm. But see, also life on life's terms is that we were born and birthed with hope within us. Hmm. So hope overcomes despair. Light means like bringing light, bringing, you know, hope and possibilities and creativity into relationship, conquers darkness. Courage, keeping full-hearted participation, even in the midst of great loss, 
death. So hope speaks into despair. We have courage in the face of death. We bring light to uh, uh, darkness. And then what's amazing is the way the, the way the human heart is constructed, we're actually created to see destruction and not like it. The mm. same way you would see uh, a, a, a blue stake, they, mm. you know, uh, literally a blue stake. We're repulsed by a blue stake. We say something's wrong with this. Bring me one that looks right, smells yeah. right. So, so whenever we see destruction, we don't like it. We want creativity. So creation actually overcomes destruction. So creation overcomes destruction. Hope overcomes despair. Courage overcomes death. And light overcomes darkness. A pinprick of light will pierce mm. a darkness. And so life on life's terms. And you, you mentioned in your sermon, actually, I got to hear you uh, last su uh, Sunday at a downtown church in Nashville. And you mentioned that life is tragic and God is faithful, yeah. which we've talked about numerous yeah. times. If I, uh, if, uh, whenever I'm giving a sermon, I'm always thinking to myself, oh, I wish, you know, it's like oh, I'm constantly quoting people that I should have, I, would have, I should have given a footnote. No shoulds, man. You, you, got, uh, you got no shoods coming your way. <laughs> but that's pure. Yeah. That's purely, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. Life no, is man. tragic and God is faithful. Oh, I probably say that almost every sermon. Because I'm it, glad I did, you do. Because I it captures the tension of yeah. what does it mean to be yeah. Israel, you well, know, those who struggle and wrestle with God. This, that's Oswald Chambers mm. and um, others. Mm. Um, but so life on life's terms. And so we're in conflict and we've got to deal with it. Turns out we need each other. Mm. We'll get the neediness and security in a minute. And then number three is, it's, and this is shocking because all of this actually gives us permission that, that everything is practice. Mm. I mean, everything in life really is dress rehearsal over and over again. I know it sounds crazy because we do have death and darkness and destruction and despair. And we're practicing over and over again, bringing hope and light and creativity and courage into the face of those things. So we're, it's a, it's a conflict that we conflict that we confront and in the confrontation, we bring life into those things that would rob it. So there's the war. Mm. It's a war of love mm. between the forces of life and mm. death, ultimately prosperity and mm. living isolated. Mm. So reality is think about it. So doctors are practicing, right? Yep. And think about how scary that is. So yeah. that brings us to feelings immediately. Yeah. yeah. Know, I mean, we were just talking about that before we started uh -huh. recording of, I mean, one of the parts of growing up is when you're a kid, you assume everybody in authority knows what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then you get to know, uh, teachers yeah. and you get to know professors and yeah. you get to know doctors and you get to know surgeons and you yeah. get to know, I mean, you get to know these people who are in tremendous places of influence mm -hmm. and, uh, it's scary. Yeah. Sherwood Anderson, a, a, a short story writer, possibly novelist wrote a short story that I think it's what 1940s, fifties, thirties or something. And it was about a young boy that admired this cowboy or this grown man. And then it turned out that he found out that this guy was actually having an affair with so-and-so's wife and so mm. on. And it crushed him. It mm. crushed his heart into despair. Mm. And to find out that that which often is presented isn't what's behind the door, yeah. you know, and then having to deal with that. Right. So a doctor, if he's going to tell the truth, will actually lean over you and say, I know I have a scalpel in my hand and I'm going to cut you open, but 
I need you to know I'm practicing. Yeah. So the truth is, <laughs> we better pray. Yeah. Anesthesiologist is, I'm putting you to death. You're going into darkness, and you yeah. won't remember the darkness. And um, and I'm practicing. So practicing and facing the reality of it means mistakes. It means that we all need to need reassurances. We need to know that you know what you're doing or hope you do or permission to take risks and ask for help, all those things. So doctors are practicing the practice of medicine. Lawyers are practicing. Lawyers hate doctors because they're practicing. Mm. They're making mistakes. And doctors are fearful of lawyers. And now we've got all this frame up around demand for perfection that we can't achieve. And we're losing money and like crazy and going into debt like mad as a nation trying mm. to get perfect. And it's yeah. not there. And so turns out parents are practicing. Yeah. People are practicing. We're all practicing. So it really does leave a lot of room for tolerance, mm. empathy, compassion, understanding, and consequences too. Because mm. uh, the people who don't admit that they're in need are the most dangerous people of all. Mm. A pilot who doesn't go through a checklist and doesn't rely on the co-captain, yeah. the navigator, yeah. that person's called a fool. Right. And we end up admiring fools who try to believe that they're independent yeah. from having to be in need, dangerous. Yeah. So the humble will be exalted. Right. I want a doctor who knows he's practicing because he knows he's in need. So he's going to look in his textbooks or ask another surgeon to come in or refer somewhere else. Right. Like when my son had a tumor, he, uh, the doctor said, uh, had a spinal tumor, uh, spinal cord tumor. And the doctor said, this is beyond me, mm. Where, wherever you need to go, whether it's Baltimore, Johns Hopkins, wow. or Denver, or Cleveland, or maybe someone in Nashville. But I was so grateful for his humility, his neediness, yeah. which let him recognize his limitations. So then the fourth one. <laughs> yeah. So we're all practicing. And the fourth one is, it really does take a lifetime to learn how to live. Mm. So in those four things are the realities that actually give us permission to be in need mm. of each other. You're not going to escape it. Mm. And there's no triumphing over it. And those who deny it, as we've just mentioned, are actually our fools. Mm. They are the emperors with no clothes. Yep. But because we're afraid of our own neediness, we will project onto them that they're capable of doing something that allows us to escape our own neediness mm. and somehow we will give ourselves over to despots mm. because they promise us a life without pain, mm. life without having to be a uh, mm. struggle. That mm. we will get to escape having to be in need mm. and the feelings that go with it. Mm. So long story there to prep, but I mean, um, uh, we're created to have so much more than we yeah. let ourselves have. Yeah. And it happens through needs. Yeah. And I think even as I listen to you, share that just reframe it's like i think what you just did in my mind it escalates neediness from a place of begrudging acceptance to a place of actually this is a indispensable quality of greatness yes right? you, you know yes. it's not just um hey you have to accept begrudgingly that you're going to be needy but i, I love what you were talking about mm -hmm. I mean, even as you were, as, as I was processing this for myself, I was, 
you know, I did preach this past Sunday and I was talking to somebody about it and they were asking about my routine and it's, it's very meticulous, um, to prepare. And they said to me, um, man, you've been doing this for, you know, preaching in some way for 15 years. Like, you know, basically was like, why do you work so hard, uh, at it? Yeah. I was like, look, my awareness of how hard this is, has not gotten less. It's gotten greater. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I'll see people all the time. And again, I'm not trying to compare public speaking to like surgery, but I think it is public speaking is a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, I'll see people who are like, uh, you know, who are getting ready to speak at a wedding or something like that. And they don't normally do it. And they're like, yeah, I'll just, I'll kind of wing it. I'll, mm -hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is a very difficult thing to do. You probably should process this. You probably should time yourself. You should know what it is. Um, but I feel like I'm actually grateful that I'm scared at how hard it is because mm -hmm. it, pushes me to a place of real dependency uh -huh. and neediness and hard work so I can come and do the best that I can do. Like, I think winging it is, a is, is sort of the symptom of a lack of neediness or maybe honesty about how hard yeah. it is to do yeah. certain things. And you know, you mentioned that is really good. Um, they're, they're, they're like really like, um, one, let's see. I think there are five five movements. I don't. I can't count and talk at the same time. There are five <laughs> movements of growth, and none of them exclude neediness. Mm. Okay. And so, but but they there's a different expressions of it, and so there's a point at which we get to a place where we can wing it, quote unquote. Yeah. In other words, because we're we're pre prepared. It's yeah. not, we grew into it. A beginner is somebody who has an interest and wants something. And a beginner actually associates with those who can sh show that person the way to do it. Yeah. Whether it's carpentry, yeah, silver smithing, they pastoring. become an apprentice. Yeah. 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 And you go from a uh, beginner, like apprentice to novice mm -hmm. or novice to apprentice. Mm -hmm. And then from apprentice, you gain the skills and you become, you gain some confidence and competence, which means trust that your hope and your risk have turned into actual expressions, creativity. Yeah. And then the craftsperson. So it goes beginner, novice, apprentice, craftsperson, and then master. Mm. In other words, someone has mastery in something. In other yeah. words, they do it with great ease, but they desire to do it which means they're also very interested in learning and their new neediness mm. is that willing to go through the pain of continuing to learn. They're not resting on their laurels, so to speak. They're still growing into the rest of themselves, mm -hmm. the rest of the expression of their desire. And then finally, the master actually becomes someone who has virtuoso, mm. the virtuoso. And that person is someone who pushes that which hasn't been done before towards that which is going to be seen or accomplished. The light bulb, the a battery, the flight, I mean, uh, computer technology, binary system moving into all the things that it's become, AI. It's dangerous, but a virtuoso has taken everything up, but they never stop being needy. Now they're driven by the desire to push, go, see, discover, mm. and it all involves risk, mm. but they're still practicing neediness. And so it, it's there's a point at which you will know something so well and preparing to do a sermon that you can dig deeper right. 
and, and bring up more. And then you have to turn around the hard work of attempting to make it understandable to someone who doesn't know it, like right. to the novice, the beginner, the craftsperson. The... Yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's big. Yeah. Big. We just did a half hour introduction into it. So this will be two parts, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like that we had the conversation. Good. Uh, I love uh, it. I love it. I love the freedom. Yeah. So I think let's, I think to frame the rest jazz, of Jazz, right? That's right. Jazz. Well, jazz musicians, right? Yeah. Are winging it. But right. man, they have spent a lot of years in practice, so there's no winging, right? Right. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I don't completely understand musical theory. I did live with a music major uh, in college, and he had an appreciation of jazz, and he was showing, you know, basically they've mastered fundamentals, mm -hmm. scales, and things like that, that they're able to uh, repackage yep. and... Um, recreate in yeah. the most beautiful and push ways. into new territories right. which brings us to needs to needs yes because uh you know we talked uh, last podcast about that feelings you know kind of like to review a little bit with feelings mm -hmm. that feelings are like the primary colors yep that yellow red blue yep yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like yeah, I'm, not, I'm, seeing, I'm trying to count and yeah, think and yeah, see exactly. all at the same time. Yeah. And if you know the three primary colors or the basic musical notes, the eight feelings of how we're created, mm -hmm. you know your needs, then you kind of like know how to put it together to express, mm -hmm. create, shape, make, do, and expand. Right. So an artist, a painting artist using the media of painting, the better they can mix, match, what they can do with light and dark related to colors and expand and take us places related yeah. to the mix and match of those three primary colors, but still the three primary colors that take us to an expansion. Yeah. So we need to know what we feel. We need to know what we need so we can expand ourselves in the lives we're made to have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the need for security. Yeah. Then I think let's start with our personal need for security. I think we're going to, the way we'll frame this conversation is probably, We'll spend the rest of this episode talking about our own personal need for mm -hmm. security. And then the next episode we'll have about providing that security yeah, to other people. Yeah. Becoming a place. So um, you, you said you said this. This is on page 24 of Needs of the Heart. You said, in a simple metaphor, security is a place we run to when we become lacking in our sense of place where we can find the freedom to be in a struggle and the faith that in this place we will be upheld in our neediness. In this experience, we find strength to re-enter a world that will empty us. Oh, that's good. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you, you can, I'm sorry, but you're, you're like, I, who wrote that? And oh, I, I did. You know, I did. Unfortunately, uh, fortunately, I will be so long before I'll ever read what I've written. I can actually hear it, right? As someone else, yeah. You know, so it's kind of. I should have like, just read it to you and been like, an nah. author says, and if you had known that, yeah. It, hey, it was well, who is that? Who is yeah. that? You, know. you said also, uh, th I think this is just a good summary, you know, kind of the diving board to, to, to get us started in this conversation. You said the need for security is met by having a place where you can struggle and be supported mm -hmm. in that struggle. Mm -hmm. I use place because security can involve others, God, and or even a literal space. Yeah. So where do you, where do you want to go? Yeah. Let's look at, let's look at, let's start this by looking at, at two things related to it. So, and you can help me remember one is. Uh, the what for okay. and then the result. Okay. The what for and the result. 
okay, one, let's see, yeah, what four, no, let's, let's hang on to, we could do it. What yeah. four and result? <laughs> Come on. Uh, who knows where we're going to go. <laughs> All right, write yeah. this down. Okay. okay. What four and result? Yeah, I got it. it, it go to the, it, whether you, go to the Psalms, the Psalms in, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and they are photographs. Eugene Peterson refers to them as photographs. They're photographs of where a person was when certain things were happening. And it's the full expression of where they were when certain things were happening. Mm. And they always end up being, this is where I am feelings, needs, desire, longings, and hope. And this is what I'm wishing for anticipating and expecting to be met in it. They're relational documents. Okay. Yeah. Even, uh, sorry to interrupt your flow, but, I will say one of the things I did in this training a few weeks ago was I connected, you know, where I was telling people, Hey, to feel your feelings, tell the truth, trust God with the process. Mm-hmm. Really all you need to do is read the Psalms. So you understand this isn't just some sort of pop psychology, no. but that's really the rhythm of the Psalms is David being like, I feel scared because people are trying to mm-hmm. murder me. I'm going to tell God the truth. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go to sleep and trust that God is going to take care of me. For example, that's yeah. like Psalm three. Yeah. The for feelings example. and the needs. Right. And then the trust that comes out of it and the hope that it will be accomplished. But ultimately either way, if I have relationship and I'm connected, regardless of what the results are, I'm in. Yeah. In other words, I never leave behind how I was created and who right. created me, the Psalms. So right. they're uniting documents. That's the result. Yeah. So, but the Psalms are calling us to do something that in many ways we're trained and raised to reject because of reality, mm. because it's clumsy, because it's embarrassing, because of mistakes, because of pain and heartache and, 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 and often helplessness that makes us cry mm. out. So, But the Psalms are screaming that we're called to live between one and ten. And one in 10 means the life to the full. We think of, you know, what's a 10 and, and, and grading in the Olymp or judging in the Olympics is between one and 10, you know? And so one is the depths of grief. Can you go? Will you go? Will you let yourself step into the depths of grief? But we're not made to do it alone. So it's, we're, we're always coming back to our humanity of how mm-hmm. we're made. And also, can you extend yourself into the fullness of celebration, mm-hmm. which is very frightening, too? Because if you celebrate too much, you can be mocked, mm. you can be humiliated, you can yeah. be envied, you can be resented. Yeah, I, I remember a guy that I celebrated him achieving this extraordinary thing, and the hard part of it was it was a financial deal. And he said the hard part of it is knowing where to put all the money, mm. and he is, you know, his uh, financial worth is, you know, a one hundred thousand times more than mine. Right? Yeah. But I still, because I love him, yeah, wanted the good for him. So yeah. the Psalms cost to live between one and 10. Mm. And if you can't do feelings and you can't do needs, then you can't expand your life into how you're made to live fully. You live between f- five and five. Yeah. Because a lot of times people do have an intolerance. You know, you bring bad news and they can't engage it. And they immediately are trying to be like, mm-hmm. here's why it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Or, you know, here's the, the good thing that happened that makes the sad thing not actually sad. Mm-hmm. And then you see people who do legitimately have intolerance of good news as well. I mean, you almost see that as much. It sounds almost silly to say, but until you, when you start to see it, you realize that yep. the rarity of friends that you can go to and say, hey, I did this. I did really well. I'm really proud of myself. Yes. 
um, it was good. You know, like I think a lot of people are threatened by that dynamic. Well, yeah. Well, even this? when I said uh, you read that from page twenty-four in Needs of the Heart, and and I was struck, like, oh, that that's good. I resonated hearing right. that. That that was good, and I did it. So therefore, I'm yeah, a because- braggart or. Uh, self-aggrandizing and you know all the stuff that comes with being accused and attacked yeah exactly and like you said somebody brings good news there's always the fear of good news hmm. it's yeah but yeah right. but what's gonna happen yeah but there's the reality don't yeah. let don't let yourself be fooled don't get fooled by excitement or joy hmm. or anticipation of hope being fulfilled hmm. watch out because hope is dangerous right and if you can't do heartache you can't do hope yeah. because hope is dangerous. Because yeah. look, you and I, the lives we planned, I mean, because I'm older than you by a good stretch, um, I have heartache now mm. knowing that there's no way on this earth that I will ever get to uh, do all of what I mm. had hoped. But I yeah. also come from a place where I had tried to give up hope completely. Yeah. So the Psalms, having lived them. Yeah, it's funny you said that. I was thinking about that recently where I, I, uh, on the edge of 40, I was like, I was thinking about all the stuff I haven't done yet that I really want to hmm. do and I feel like is in me and how sad I would be if it didn't get out of me. And then I had this realization. I'm like, I'm probably going to feel like that for the rest of my life. You will if you, if you stay in life. Right. But see, I mean, there are two, like we, we, we like talk you d- about. You die that way. I hope so. I hope I do. Yeah. I pray that I do. I pray that I will get to die still wanting, mm. still wishing, hoping, uh, desiring, longing, and and willing to experience the pain of that. Because to continue to want and wish is to stay angry and uh, believe in greatness. I mean, for life. Yeah. Uh, the greatness that can come, the kingdom of heaven on earth kind of thing. But it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Yeah. I am not going to make it. But... Uh, I heard a guy say recently, the goal of life is not to just get through it. Say, oh, I got through it. I got yeah. it over with. Yeah. It's it's the that little hyphen between the mm. dates on the tombstone are all that matters. Yeah. But we make the dates big and the hyphen little, and it's the yeah. hyphen that is the point. We need the dates to be little and mm. the hyphen to be big and, and face that, that mm. everything that I lived could not dare fit into that square mm. or that mm. we want to live beyond the square. Hey, by the way, speaking of tombstones, you, do you know Andy Griffith? Mm-hmm. Andy Mayberry? Oh, yeah. Okay. Megan and I, uh, formative years early on in our marriage, we're watching the Andy Griffith show. Right. Well, yeah. Aunt B, uh-huh. bit player, on her tombstone, it says that basically if you leave yourself in others' hearts, you never die. Hmm. And that to me is the point of what we leave behind. Hmm which comes back to neediness, but what we leave behind is what's going to matter. And if it's blesses people's hearts, then well done. But the big thing is that we want to want something so much that we die having failed. Hmm. We want, we're made to want something so much that we die having failed, meaning that the vision of what we seek, that to life to be better than it's going to be here the vision of what we seek, whatever we're called to, whatever mm. we're made to be involved in, whether a follower or the vision leader, whatever it happens to be, you're not going to get it done. Right. And therefore, there's grief to be had. Mm. And yet you still move towards what can be done. So there's celebration to be had. Yeah. And if you can't face failure 
and you can't face desire, you can't have a vision that's as great as it's made to yeah. be. It's not a God-sized plan. Yeah. <clears throat> I read um, Churchill at the end of his life. and I, I mean, I think some of this was the overflow of his depression. But he said, I mean, he said at the end of his life, uh, basically, I, I look back and I'm not sure if I really accomplished exactly. anything. Um, yeah. Which, again, I think is probably his... Depre probably was in a depressive episode, but yeah. shows that perpetual engine of just like, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to do so much more. Yeah. Um, we really, the struggle between ego in terms of fame and selfhood, which is just full expression, the yeah. full expression of how I was made, yeah. you know? So are we on the, uh, what we're, for? Yeah, partner? we're still, the, so the, what for is, uh, uh, the neediness. Well, how do we start the what for? How, what, you said you want me to keep you on life with what for and the result. Oh yeah. So <laughs> a what for of, of needs of living. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that the Psalms are an expression of that. The fact that we're needy and we're made to live, we're created to live between one and 10. Yeah. The feel it life fully. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then there's that that is in us and to live full life. It also means you're made for relationship because the Psalms are all about relationship. And they're all about, you know, creating an undivided heart. In other words, I'm completely united within myself to be able to live fully because mm -hmm. I can face life on life's terms fully. Okay. So where does it take us? It takes us to needing a place called security. Yeah. The need for security needs to be met. And as I write in needs of the heart that you just read that, that security is met by having a place we can go to and tell the truth about what it's like to be us, what it's like to want, what it's like to struggle, what it's like to celebrate, what it's like to be where we are, hmm. and to be able to receive in that place response that says, you're welcomed here. We have a great bandwidth of tolerance for your struggle. Yeah. You won't be judged or condemned for presenting yourself as you are, where you are, when you are there, yeah. and you will be supported. In other words, you, you have what every child desperately needs. And um, a, a doc, a Dr. Winnicott, uh, a child psychiatrist, developed a lot of the family theory that every little child needs a parent who can, quote, unquote, be destroyed. In other words, hmm. I can bring everything I'm made like, the greatest grief, the greatest celebration, and all my questions to you, and even struggle with uh, wishing that you could fix me and hate you because you can't, that you can't, hmm. you can't stop my pain, and you're the parent, like we talked about the doctor where they were gods until we right. grew up. So a child needs a place called security, and security is found in the presence of another, mm. whether it's God or a person we can lean on who can tolerate our struggle to find life to the full in a place that wants to rob us of it. Yeah. And I guess we'll talk more about this uh, in the next episode in terms of like being that for somebody else, you know, kind of the, the point of this is to first say like, what does it look like to, to receive that and to be needy of that and admit that need. But it is interesting I, where my mind goes is, I'm not sure why it goes here, but I think about, maybe it's the overflow of a conversation I had this past week, but is 
the parent who is able to remain stable when their child is chaotic in teenage years. Yeah. Um, and I was, I, what, what my mind particularly went to is the experience. <laughs> I'm a little reticent to say this cause I haven't had this experience. So I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pretend like it's easy, but it's like a child who, for example, is really questioning their faith in teenage years. Right. And so some parents have an intolerance of that, of being like, we don't ask questions like that here. We don't work through that here. We don't say that. Mm -hmm. It scares them to such Mm -hmm. a degree that they are either uh, literally or at least emotionally and experientially uh, outcasts. And they have to go sort of ask those questions in less safe, stable, healthy environments Mm -hmm. rather than the parent who is able to, you know, not compromise the truth, but able to just sort of handle the waves you know it's almost like a buttress that can handle waves crashing against it until the sea can calm and say hey this is sort of an episode it's a season this is not a reflection on me as a parent i don't have to catastrophize the future of where Mm -hmm. this is headed um you know basically your ability to be non-anxious and present in that moment to be a safe harbor to receive the chaos makes it possible for the child to heal, yes. for example, in that and that's that's not just true in the parent and a child, though though when we're called to change and become like a child, mm. called to change and become like we're made again, right. which we run from so often, it's true in our relationship with God, our relationship as a child to a parent, and a parent to a child, and also relationship with our peers. I mean, um Sonia uh, who I'm married to has, you know, said to me many times, actually in, in my multiple failures, I just need a soft place to land. Mm. And in other words, a place where I can bring what's going on with me to you and you don't try to stop it. You don't try to fix it. That's where so many couples and marriages, like you're not listening to me. You're trying to fix me. It's like, yeah, I am listening to you. You gave me a problem and I want to give you a solution so you don't have to be in pain. Yeah. When actually it's the acceptance of the pain that they're needing and to be heard in it, listen to it, my tolerance for it, often limited, I just want it to go away. Right. So I'm not presenting her a place of security. Right. Yeah, that's so good. That's I feel like that's the mechanics of, I mean, it's very typical for the dynamic in a marital conflict to be that that the wife just wants to be listened to. You said not... marriage twice. What do you mean? You said marital conflict. It's uh you said oh. marriage, marriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> called, yeah, mar- exactly. It's called, yeah. called marriage. Yeah, yeah. Which is in itself, yes, a but, struggle. But the but the you know, the very typical dynamic that the wife just wants to be listened to and the husband assumes that a complaint is a declaration of war on their competency yep and so they're immediately jumping to a place yep. of fixing 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 throwing really solutions. glad you brought mm-hmm. things escal- escalate from yep. there but it's interesting to think about that even being the mechanic of saying oh like i can just be a safe stable yep. place i know we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit but not much yeah because the problem is right there that uh men many men the majority of men most men, <laughs> almost all men, <laughs> all except two that <laughs> yeah. neither of us have. And ever then met. The, yeah. we're not talking about yeah, us. We're not talking about us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's probably men two guys out there. Somewhere. Have to grow 
in their capacity of neediness mm. because of the, the responsibility that is a man's responsibility. I mean, mm. in other words, to be a soft place to land. Men are, are extreme, extraordinarily insecure, yep. meaning that they don't know the language, how to, willing to, or find anyone to be able to struggle with. So mm. men are not secure. Yeah. In other words, it's not a character fault. Yeah. It's a training fault. It's an ignorance fault. It's a denial fault. And then tragically often a pride fault. Mm. That's where the man is most dangerous. It's in the territory of pride. Mm. Ignorance can be uh, ha- having ignored. It's not stupidity. Ignorance can be taught, mm-hmm. right, if there's a want to. Lack of training can be trained, taught. Mm. Uh, a background of trauma can be healed because trauma defends against ever being vulnerable again, yeah. right? Because that's where the helplessness is. So when a spouse presents their own neediness to, we're talking about the man, if the man's going to be in who he's made to be, which is often his part of leadership, mm-hmm. if he can't tolerate pain, if he doesn't know how to be needy, if he doesn't have a resource outside the marriage where he is replenished by other men helping that one man gain the strength of vulnerability, he is not what she needs. Mm. If a man doesn't gain the capacity to be needy, he is actually not what his spouse, the one he says he loves more than anyone else, he's not what she needs. In Mm. fact, she ends up having to live in uh, a threat Mm of keeping him secure, Mm. propping him up um, because he's invested in what he does in terms of, look what I've done. Aren't you proud of me? That's called a mama. You're looking for a mama Mm. or look what I've done. So if you're going to be, let's say, um, assigned leadership, then one of the most important things in leadership is that you be able to be leaned against, mm. which is means you got to be gentle. Yeah, you have to have the capacity of gentleness, and that's usually not a man's place to be able to be gentle. Yeah, then you you also have to be available, mm. which means that you know where you are, you know what you feel, you know what you need, you know your vulnerabilities, you know where to take uh, a, a need of resources that your spouse can't supply you. Right. I mean, your spouse can't be all in all. Right. Do you know, in other words, she, she needs more from you than just you. She needs you to grow. So you have more fruit to yeah. feed with, you know? And so, uh, you, you got to go, uh, learn the, 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 uh, language of availability, which is I feel, I see, I see, I feel, I need, I talk about what's going on inside my heart. Mm-hmm. In other words, I'm available. I'm response able to life. And also I can, Trust that others can hear me, which see we're back into a man needs a place for himself to have security, to be replenished. And then out of that, I can imagine life to the full. I can practice being gentle. I can learn the, 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 the security and the strength of gentleness and know where it comes from, Mm. from other men and God, trust, faith, and so on. And then I can be available. I, I know my own heart. I can use my mouth to express it. And then the last thing, I become capable of vulnerability. Mm. Vulnerability means I am able to be wounded without harming. Mm. 
Hmm. With those who I wish no harm to, and I know that down underneath they wish no harm to me. Hmm. So, I mean, men uh, 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 don't know how to get the need for their own security met. Mm. And it's predominantly through having a place they go to, to journal out, to pray out, to speak out what's happening in their hearts, a place in their own homes where they sit, they pray, meditate, seek God, write to God, tell the truth to God, expressing all their fears, needs, desires, longings, grief. Yeah, telling the truth. Yeah, they find themselves in that. And they need other men. Men need men. A man needs a man to be able to love one woman so that he can become a soft place for her to land. Yeah, and that's sh- not taking away her strength or her significance, right. her needs. I'm not denigrating women. I'm talking about a man's need to grow and how we often fail. Well, it empowers a man to be able to show up in a marriage to serve rather than perform because on the other end of the performance is defensiveness and for sure, you know, conflicts that escalate of a demand. I did for this applause. and I did this mm-hmm. and do you see this? And, um, and that's just like, that's where it's like your marriage is categorically different than where you work. Yes. Right. But like, because a guy, a lot of times can't differentiate between the two different worlds. You know, he's showing up at home, expecting you know then all of a sudden you're going to self-pity and Mm -hmm. you know you're having conflicts that are about look at how much i do which Mm -hmm. if you have young kids everybody's at their max capacity and it just spirals into yeah you know and that's because the man does not know how to get his own needs met away from the home so that he has a lot to bring to the home right he's coming to give yeah Rather yeah, than and so we we've, we've turned the world upside down over over over, or we've never accepted how we're really made, which is mostly the problem. Yeah, but um, we end up most many men we wind up providing and then demanding that that provision be the thing that we're lauded for, mm-hmm. or uh, even worshipped for, and that provision which we're actually created to do. Men are made. To, men and women, but men, we're talking about men, men are made to produce things, to shape yeah. and make and do, Yeah. but not to be fulfilled through it only, or it become a debt. Mm-hmm. In other words, I will be, I will provide, and then I'll hand the bill over to my spouse. Here's your bill. Right. Here's what you owe me for what I've done, which I made to do anyway. Right. So I, I get, we need to be, we do true and genuinely need to be appreciated for doing, but that's the least of what matters most. Right. Well, and, and so then protection and every man is fearful that he doesn't have the strength to be a superhuman to protect right. his family from pain. Right. So that's not going to happen. So every man is going to fail who, um, is, uh, believes that he can keep people from ever having pain. He needs to be able to walk in the pain because he knows how to do pain. Mm-hmm. And then the, the thing that matters most in a family with a man is not provision, though that's very important, not even protection from having to feel. Right. Because we all have to feel. But the main thing that is most valuable in a family is he's secure enough to be a redeemer. Hmm. Redeemer means I know what life is like. I know it hurts. I know it's scary. I've been in that ditch. I've been rescued from it. I understand the need for mercy. I have received grace. I have been cared for when I didn't deserve it. Therefore, 
because of that humility, I can stand in the greatness of being gentle. You can lean on me because I know what it's like to be where you are, and I can give you the space, the place for you to be secure with me, to acknowledge what you feel, what you need. So this not only applies as we wrap up this session, start the next one, but that not only applies to parents with children, Right. That not only applies to marriage with spouses, that not only applies to the working world, but it applies to the fellowship of men being able to have a place where they go to admit their powerlessness over life right. and their need to have more than they've been able to get under their own power, to find strength and courage in the presence of other men. And the promise is that where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there with you. And honestly, a great example of that strengthening is called Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. I mean, it is a place that no one ever wants to go, but when you get there, you end up finding that that which you were always looking for is there, Mm. called a fellowship, a ship of fellows who are sailing towards a place better than they had before. Mm. And that is a living example of what the Psalms are saying, snapshot after snapshot after snapshot after photograph after photograph of this is where I was, this is what happened, and this is where I am now. And it's through our need to have a place to struggle with the language of how I'm created and to be met in and fed in my neediness strengthens me to be able to go out and be what others need in a mm. redemptive form mm. through security. So this neediness is our the doorway to strength. Yeah, and in a sense, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many thoughts I wrote down that I that I wanted to just. I, I know we'll probably land the plane here in a in a second, and then and then uh, we'll pick up the conversation in the next episode. But yeah, not just strength, but I think even health. You know the. Um, you know, what was going through my mind as you were talking is, you know, these are the mechanics underneath which, for example, you know, you, I don't want to say a fair proof, but a fair guard your marriage, right? Like you think about if you're coming to your marriage exclusively for the reason of getting approval and Ah. you know, your, your wife is not going to be impressed the way, no matter how, you know, even if you're Michael Jordan, Mm -hmm. your wife does not care. Right. Like mm-hmm. she's not like, oh, yeah, like you won she's the, not MVP the world again. She's not the she, world. Yeah. Like she's going to. So you can see mm-hmm. how the bitterness and the self-pity arise mm-hmm. where it's like, well, I'm not getting at home. What I'm getting you know, I, out here from this person who appreciates me for all that I do and how I mean, you see mm-hmm. the like this is the stuff of being able to show up at home to give. And of course, we want to receive and we want it to be mutually reciprocal. But to come in with this posture, first and foremost, as a giver um, and as a stable, uh, generous presence, really manifesting the character of Christ. Yep. Um, these are the mechanics of it. And, but in that character of Christ, as you say, came from neediness. Right. Not from uh, somehow superhuman, self-made, false strength. Right. You, you named it. So, and, 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 and we can... Uh, we can uh, oh, yeah, we can uh, let's let's wrap up with this that uh, uh, 
you mentioned you kind of brought up something we talked about in a marriage conference called How to Love a Woman's Heart. And it's the, 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 the great wound of, a, of the ego, which is the easing God out part of a man. It's our attempt to be God's. The great wound is that the people who love you most are least impressed with what you do in the world. Mm. In other words, that's really, and that's such a that's, that's heartbreak. a very important observation. It's, it's heartbreaking, but it's so true. It's and it's vital, which means I've never heard anybody say it either, but it's true. Will you say it again? Because I think yeah, it's very. That, I, I that, hate the word. That, hopefully, people will listen to this full hour because I think that's the most important thing. That yeah, you that, 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 that your spouse and your children, and then your best friends, the people who love you most, are least impressed with what you've done that the world values you for. Yeah. Doctors who do surgery, uh, so many times the affairs come out of uh, their uh, demand to be appreciated for what they do mm. when, and rather than being loved for who they are. Yeah. And home is a place where we're able to bring the security of letting others struggle yeah. and also bring the security of being able to confess our struggles. Yeah. And a person who denies struggle is a person who will have the affair who will uh, give themselves, abandon their loved ones for fame, right. who will uh, let the working world take them away from what they're made to do. And as we close, Jesus, when he fed the 5,000 men, as we kind of opened with this, this was his moment. This was when the marketers are getting chills. The salespeople are already counting their, what's going to be coming into their bank accounts. They're already seeing a domain of power we're going to conquer and, 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 and never have to look back. Jesus walks away. He gets out of there mm. because these are not the people who love me. Mm. They're only caring about their next meal in their stomach. I am going towards the people. And I do care about people's stomachs, he would say. Mm. But I'm going towards the people who are looking for me in their hearts. Exactly how a child comes into life a child comes into life seeking who's looking for them. Mm. It's a matter of the heart, even at birth, not a matter of the stomach. And Jesus said, I'm looking for those who are also looking in heart to find what will fulfill their hearts, mm. not their stomachs, or just satiate their genitals, or titillate their brains, or smooth out their skin. In other words, I'm looking for those who are still looking yeah. for the lives they were made to have yeah. and are willing to be needy. Okay, let's land there. One yeah. of the things I was one of the other things I was thinking as you were as you were as we were closing, uh, just to say was I'm really glad that we focused on men, um, not so much because you know it's we're we're trying to degrade women, but I think it's it's no. actually almost the inverse of like I was reading a um, a study about you know the 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 rates. I think suicide is the the number two killer of men before the age of forty, mm -hmm. um, and everybody was like, well why isn't it that way for women? And basically the number one thing was, well, women are like exponentially more willing to actually ask for help and demonstrate neediness. And men live under the guise of, I've got it all together until they're trapped. Mm -hmm. And then they take the most extreme way. Yeah. Out. Pride kills. Pride kills. Uh, Self-exaltation kills. Yeah. Neediness brings life mm. to the full. Humility leads us to being exalted. I have uh, many, 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 many people and many, many, many men have found a place in me to be able to
to take a risk of doing that which they've never been permitted to do. Yeah. Bring their hearts to the presence of another and find out that rather than being rejected, they uh, are renewed. Yeah. So yeah, I've experienced that too. True so indeed. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, Brian. Yeah, it's a myth. Give up, give up, give up your night.